Welcome everybody and uh, thanks for joining us today. Um, in this webinar, we will be sharing the findings of Ostrod's recent research project uh, that looks at many different ways in which place is being measured locally and internationally uh, and how transport practitioners can practically and effectively classify, measure and value the place function of our streets. My name is Ekaterina, I'm a communications officer at Ostroads uh, and I will be moderating today's session. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the custodians uh, of the land from which we are broadcasting today. I pay my respect to Elders past, present and emerging. I also acknowledge the Treaty of Waitani and Maori as the regional people of New Zealand. A little bit about Ostroads. Uh, we are the collective of Australasian transport and traffic agencies, and our focus is to support our member organizations to deliver an improved road transport network. Here's our structure. Uh, we use a program management approach to deliver our work. There are four programs, and each is focused on an operational area of the road system. The project that we are focusing on today uh, was delivered under the Transport Network Operations Program, which is managed by Richard Del Place. Uh, Richard is here with us today, and he will say a few words about the program and how this project fits into the bigger program picture. Richard, welcome. Thank you, Ekaterina, and thanks for fa facilitating this webinar, as you always do. Um, the Transport Network Operations Program focuses on improving the mobility of people and goods on the road network. It covers a range of disciplines that uh, road transport agencies undertake in network operations, from modeling, traffic engineering, temporary traffic management, ITS data, network operations planning, and, and real-time operational processes. We acknowledge that vehicular movement has been the core focus for road agencies and their practitioners as we focused on managing a safer and more efficient road network. This project is of particular importance as it influences how the program and the road agencies look beyond to consider the livability, the sustainability and resilience objectives of our urban and regional areas. So even though uh, the research we are presenting today does not aim at harmonizing practice across jurisdictions or does not provide a single recipe for practitioners to use, it does provide key pointers on how best to consider place in the transport uh, environment based on latest international and national practice. So we hope you will find this webinar uh, and, and the associated research report of interest. And on that, I hand over back to you, Elena, to introduce our speakers. Thanks so Thank much, you. Richard. Thank you. Um, so a bit of housekeeping for today's session. Um, our presenters will speak for 40 minutes and then we will have a Q&A uh, for 15 minutes. We record all our sessions uh, and we'll email you uh, once the video is ready uh, on our website. You can also search for Ostroads in your podcast app. So the report today's webinar is based on can be downloaded from the handout section um, of your sidebar, which you will find on the right-hand side of your screen. Uh, the slides can be downloaded from the link which we just provided in the chat box. So please just check it uh, and download it from there. Um, to send us your questions for the Q&A, please use the questions uh, box um, 
of your site by as well. You can also use it to let me know if you have any technical problems. Uh, but just a quick tip, if you lose sound or your picture freezes, uh, the issue is most likely with your connection. So leaving the webinar, closing your browser and rejoining the session using your registration link usually fixes that issue. Uh, and for the Q&A, uh, if you could please let us know the slide number that your question relates to, that would be really helpful uh, for us to answer your question the best, uh, as best as we can. And it gives me great pleasure to introduce our presenters for today, Will Fuchs and Ed Zhao. Will is the National Transport Planning Leader at GTA Consultants. Uh, as a transport planner with extensive operational experience, Will has a deep appreciation of the movement and place dimensions of roads and is passionate about creating better cities. Will's recent projects uh, include public transport planning for Geelong, transport strategies for Moreland, Byron Bay, and the Northern Gold Coast. Uh, five-level crossing removals and two sub-regional transport frameworks for Melbourne. Of relevance to this project, Will worked for Transport for London uh, in surface transport for 10, nearly 10 years uh, during the height of the adoption of Link and Place in London. Ed Zhao, uh, Associate Director at GTA Consultants, uh, he's an economist who has worked on numerous business cases for transport investment. Ed's work uh, has included demand forecasting, benefit appraisals, and uh, working with clients and stakeholders to understand, categorize, and value change. Um, so Ed brings a valuable contribution to projects through the combination of his academic and hands-on uh, project experience, borrowing concepts across modes and sectors. Um, welcome, Will and Ed. Uh, it's great to have you here with us, and I'm going to hand over to Will in a second. So uh, now everyone can see these slides. Yep, uh, and just tell me when I need to move to the next one. All right, next one, please. Excellent. Uh, consistent um, IT problems everyone's facing. Uh, so the project team, um, so Steve Burgess from Complete Streets was our project manager. Um, I was our project manager from the project team. Uh, Tom Kennedy uh, was our technical lead, Ed on economics. Um, we also had strategic direction uh, from Steve Fawn and Professor Peter Jones. Um, and it's uh, I need to make um, due acknowledgement to Phoebe Hollands, Patrick Sy, Christian Baudet and Tim Jubb, who were critical along the way to informing some of the conclusions and being involved in certain points of projects. In terms of the review team, we had Osrose Working Group, the Network Task Force, Osrose Board. Uh, I want to say thank you to everyone who gave us comments uh, on various iterations of the report. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so in terms of the Osrose Working Group, we had um, some great representation from across Australia and across New Zealand. Uh, and I want to thank everyone for their involvement in the project, uh, particularly around uh, uh, helping to facilitate the consultation sessions in uh, 2019, uh, where we saw over 150 professionals turn up um, uh, to talk about their experience of place and also to give insights into case studies. Next uh, slide, please, Katrina. Uh, so the preamble. Um, so Richard talked about it and for decades the performance of roads and streets has been reflected in terms of movement. Uh, and I put um, you know, uh, some images in to reflect what this journey is. And I, the Boulevard Montmartre, which is the image on the left-hand corner, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, interesting, it's an interesting picture for a number of reasons. One is that um, um, 
it, what it shows is that um, the artist got um, interested by the light, uh, interested by the light of the movement and place dimensions of this street, uh, and and, and that really comes out in the art. And this sort of deep appreciation of the art of streets, I think, is something that was um, really comes through in that image for me. Uh, what we saw in the sort of 1950s and 1960s was a real domination of uh, movement and um, movement and separation of place. So place came in other places, and Le Corbusier's um, La Ville Ravisseur, uh, which is horribly mispronounced by me, sorry for anyone that's French on the call, um, but really the, you know, it was the, um, the, the absolute separation of these two functions. Um, and then you saw certain artists um, such as Jeffrey Smart really characterising what this, what this impacted um, and, and how the social isolation um, sort of was impacted by freeway, and this, this is in New South Wales. Um, what started in um, you know, probably started around the world, but really came to fruition in London in the early 2000s was um, an understanding of place and transport's role in place. And, and what came out of it was the link in place movement and then following the movement place movement and then following a number of different um, advisory um, agencies around understanding what a street uh, is in terms of place. Um, and what is really important um, early on in this is that we acknowledge that we, um, the purpose of this report was a guide for transport professionals to enable place in a road environment and not a guide for place creators to create better places. And there, there is um, a lot of people working, doing fantastic work creating place and, and the purpose of this guidance wasn't to tell them how to do that, but it was for transport professionals on how to enable them to do that. Um, and, and that comes out in some of the recommendations of the report. Uh, can I get to the, the next slide, please? Okay, so um, as Will touched on, it's really a very exciting topic, and there's a lot of development, uh, you know, internationally and over time. The key for this study um, was to really go out there and cover the range of emerging topics, and then bring them back uh, together into a structure. So we did that in four steps, uh, and here is a overview. Um, and we'll talk more about each of these uh, topics in more detail in the coming slides. However, just very quickly, uh, we've done a literature review, and that covered multiple perspectives from transport practitioners to economic studies. Uh, we engaged with people, as Will touched on, you know, we engaged with well over 100 individuals uh, who contributed to workshops across Australia and New Zealand. We held seven workshop, uh, workshops this time last year, uh, from Perth in the west uh, to Auckland in the east. Uh, we dived into case studies uh, covering classification, measurement and evaluation uh, from framework level documents to uh, specific uh, transport schemes. Uh, and then finally, we brought these together uh, in the discussions and findings. Next, please. So, uh, first step, uh, literature review. Um, it, yeah, as Will touched on, you know, there are different people involved in this place uh, arena, and we as transport practitioners need to look at it from a transport perspective. That's how we intervene. At the same time, I think we need to understand the perspectives of all people so that we can uh, deliver interventions in a meaningful way. So a good start was to really explore how different people uh, try to frame the need for good place. You know, what, what does good mean for these different, uh, different people? So we looked at a range of literature um, 
So in, in terms of transport, uh, we covered a range of metrics such as speed and accidents, uh, walkability, uh, air quality. Um, in terms of land use, uh, we looked at uh, highly tangible matters such as bench seating, uh, many people value those, and to the more abstract, but nevertheless very real issues uh, such as uh, social isolation. Linking place to cause, uh, you know, whether that's from a health practitioner's point of view, or what does that mean for the retail sector? We also covered economics, uh, you know, from you know value of lighting to good services, to broader concepts of what uh, a good public realm meant. And also, we looked at tools developed by uh, individuals in the private sector uh, that measure place, such as. Australia's uh, play score and also the walk score from the US and all of those, uh, some of those we'll touch on later. Okay, next. And back to Will. The, the first um, group or the first uh, grouping of um, literature that we covered um, was uh, the transport practitioners approach and there's very much um, the, the movement and place um, frameworks and the movement and place guidance coming out of the UK and then the NACDO um, coming out of the um, states. Uh, these very much look at the use of space. They also look at a lot of transport-centric um, me measures and then um, move into um, sort of wider understanding um, of, of streets. Um, I should say that the um, diagram on the left is from um, an early iteration which is um, a roads task force in about 2012-2013 um, uh, where the most recent iteration in, in the UK is really aligning um, what they do with movement of place to a healthy streets agenda which aligns to their strategic plan uh, and places embedded in that. Uh, next slide please. Um, probably the most comprehensive and, and um, makes sense um, that it would be is um, what group in terms of understanding and measurement of place is the urban design and land use practitioners and oh, I've got to thank Steve Fawn for helping us navigate this area um, and what you see in the project for public spaces diagram there is a, a really comprehensive understanding and there, there's multiple um, frameworks like this um, in terms of um, the features of um, not only understanding the features of place and features of good and bad place um, but also the traits and the characteristics of a place um, and, ha and how they um, and how they play out and, and a lot of these um, you know, whether or not they started there, they, you know, um, but have been um, taken by um, you know 2004 report from London in terms of Gell, who, who did um, a lot of work around the world in terms of understanding what means good place uh, and counting effectively people's experience and people in place. Uh, next slide, please. Deb. Okay. Uh, the next topic is economic and monetary valuations. So um, yeah, people think about things in value terms. You know, how how much is it? How much do I benefit? Uh, benefit cost analysis. All these things are, are well known in the transport evaluation uh, industry. So um, to understand that better, we reviewed a range of literature. We spoke with experts in this field, and we covered views from academic research to current uh, guidelines. So what did we find? Uh, we found that uh, transport projects are often considered in terms of uh, very specific things, you know, whether it's uh, additional seating or better lighting or extra shelter on the platform. Um, but actually, when you go to places, you 
when you travel as an individual, quite often the experience is far more holistic. Um, and also, one thing might provide a whole lot of different benefits, you know, trees provide shelter, provide shade, uh, as well as visual amenity, of course, uh, that's the carbon thing as well. So it's questionable whether, you know, we can actually sum up all these individual parts and say, here it is, here's a place. Um, you know, is good place simply a matter of having a specific number of trees or benches, uh, or a proportion of the city being covered by trees? Maybe not. But at the same time, I think it's really difficult to talk about a whole value uh, without any level of disaggregation, as if a, a good place is meant to just come about <laughs> and be valued. So there's an issue of aggregate measures uh, and specific disaggregation that we need to think through um, when we come to value place. Unfortunately, there are um, approaches uh, emerging that combine a bit of both um, by giving public realm uh, quality scores, whether that's in London or in Auckland, so that we don't just think about place as a whole, nor do we think about place as specific items. So here, I think it's, uh, it's really important to emphasize that it's the shift is from the design element into how people use public realm and ultimately feel about it. Over to Will. Next slide. So uh, it's a point of the report where you're thinking um, place is very, very complex and it's going to take a very long time for me to navigate and count all those measures because I can tell you there are pages and pages of measures that we have outlined. Um, but um, people have thought about that and um, there is a uh, group um, of proprietary measures, we've called them in the report and um, I've highlighted um, uh, four um, of these, In there, there are a few more in the report, um, that have um, effectively, um, yeah, not a cheat sheet, but a, a way for you to take place from off the shelf. Um, and, you know, Transport Modeler thinks, um, you know, they're similar to a Transport Modeler for place, um, you know, and, and to understand place, but also um, to to get more deep into, you know, what you could do. And um, the, the place scores, Neighbourlytics, Inhabit Place, uh, and then Space Syntax. Um, these, um, because of the iterations and because of the improvements, um, um, from these, uh, they're really, um, you know, bordering on the sentimental and the perceptions of place that um, may be less tangible, um, but uh, uh, absolute, um, you know, absolute part of what we know is a good place and what we think of, you know, I like that place over that place because of, you know, the way it makes me feel and these kind of things. And so they, they, some of these um, systems are getting to that, getting to that sense. Um, next slide. Okay, linking place to cause. So places often uh, don't just make sense uh, as a whole, you know, they make sense to people based on what people do there, i.e. the cause. Uh, so for example, uh, retailers and artists may see places differently. The same place might look great from a health practitioner's perspective. So we, we reviewed a range of these sort of courses, uh, for example, in terms of healthy places, uh, we looked at opportunities for social interaction, walkability, sense of belonging, uh, stress. Uh, we covered arts and livability indicators covering issues such as community uh, attachment, quality of life and income. We looked at uh, 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 the roles of different sectors play on place, such as the retail sector 
in terms of diversity of tenants, integration with the surrounds, and link to the community. So in all, it suffices to say that place is both an amalgamation of different functionalities uh, and can impact on the performance of those functions. Next. So that was uh, uh, quite a bit of ground covered so far, just uh, uh, a little break. And reminding uh, you that you can uh, send us questions by clicking uh, at that question symbol there. Uh, it would be fair to say that we had quite a few questions at the consultation sessions in uh, 2019. Um, and it seems like a very long time ago that we had those face-to-face -face, um, sort of, uh, you know, um, large grouping meetings um, coming from Melbourne where we're, we're, you know, we haven't seen the light of our office since March. Um, but we had some great input and, and we heard some, and, and I'd really recommend you having a look at this section of the report because I think it reads it reads like a risk register associated with a project um, and it could be a risk register and it, it um, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And we heard some things, we heard this, there was a tension and there was a tension between um, the organic qualities of place and I talk about those perceptions and, and then the prescriptive. And, um, you know, this tension was, um, you know, people felt there were certain aspects that we, you know, of organic that we should be pursuing and then of prescriptive that we should be pursuing. But um, equally, people felt that there was things that we had to avoid and um, of, of both prescriptive and organic um, approaches. And, and people, uh, you know, really felt quite strongly um, about certain aspects. And, I, you know, I can, I can totally appreciate it. And so, you know, on the prescriptive side, you know, people wanted common language. They wanted consistency. They wanted some process to help them out. They wanted benchmark and prescribed measures. They wanted, you know, they wanted someone to help navigate this complexity. On the organic side, um, People really wanted an ability to organically develop place locally, um, and and they didn't want it to be too data intensive uh, and flexible to local content. And so, you know, a scalable version um, on the prescriptive, you know, the 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 the, the avoid the the forced engineering place outcomes that you know this will result in this every time um, the complex measurement. Um, and, and the oversimplification and the, the innovation and, and, and avoid also, but on the organic side, you know, a sort of an reefal concept that no one understands and everyone's confused by, uh, and there's no ability to balance the two, the, the movement and place dimensions. So, um, yeah, I would recommend that you have a look at this um, section of the report. Um, move to the next slide, Katrina. Um, so there are um, some case studies. So I think there's um, eight, uh, seven case studies in the report. So we've covered two of the commercial place outcomes. I would recommend you having a look um, at these case studies. I won't go through them in detail today because um, you can go through them at your own time. Um, and I would say that things are moving pretty quickly um, in the transport sphere around understanding and incorporating place. And we're seeing new guidance uh, and new um, uh, approaches come out on a daily basis and, and I, you know, um, even, you know, the movement around tactical urbanism, which is so wonderful uh, and, and, and so dynamic and so responsive, um, you know, that's something that, you know, wasn't on the agenda when we talked to people um, at this point. Um, so, you know, but I, I'm pretty, you know, having a think about this, you know, I, I think our 
you know, recommendations still stand up to where you would apply tactical urgent and how you fit into it. Um, but I would I would uh, recommend, um, and especially if you're thinking about either you know place score and a habit place and what they do and how they can help you, I would recommend having a look at that section of the report. Um, next slide. Okay, so. Um, so far we talked about how we uh, undertook the study. Um, I'll just leave this slide up for a little moment. You can have a read and then we'll start again in a, in a tiny bit and talk about uh, our findings. Uh, just having a sip of water first. Ready to go? Okay, maybe we'll go to the uh, next slide. Now we're talking about findings. Will? Uh, yeah. Do we want to? Uh, do we want to? Do we want to just? Um, so in terms of the findings, so we'll just and just to intro this, we will go through now the classification, measurement, and evaluation. Um, so do you want to move to? Yeah. Next slide. Good. So um, in terms of the classification and, and um, the classification of places is important um, because how you classify a place um, flows through your process of measurement and evaluation. Um, and so, uh, but classification can also be a uh, part of the process which people um, spend a lot of time on. Um, the first step, and this is really um, a, a recommendation, a lesson learned out of New South Wales, uh, is to establish a transparent governance uh, with embedded feedback mechanisms. Now, um, this sounds big and, um, you know, you could think of the boardroom, and, um, but actually it's got to be fit for purpose. So if it's a small town, it's about understanding, um, you know, layers of government. So whoever's making decisions or needs to make a decision, that may be someone from the road agency and it may be someone from local council, it may be a local trader group and that it, that's it. That could be your governance or it could be more widespread, I mean, wide encompassing. Um, and, and effectively that, that buying into that process and the process of classification and how that feeds into measurement. Um, and so the, the, the starting point is really around um, linking to land use uh, and land use planning. And and we, we saw where jurisdictions had done this, where you effectively um, understand what would be aspirational places. So not all these places. So what is place policy effectively around um, certain land uses um, driving a place outcome on the streets that they're, they're on. And, um, you know, the, the example uh, is two uh, regional towns. One is a is a is on a coast and another is an inland one. They both have the same place significance to the local community, uh, except one on the coastal town has a lot more money uh, and they're, Therefore, why you know why is one recognised a higher place because it's on the coastal community? They're both recognised as places that are really important to the community, uh, and so that's uh, and that and that sort of feeds through that process. You then got an iterative approach to 
designate or classify that place in more detail. And so we see this in lots of bigger city centres um, where a single zone can apply to the whole city centre or a single zone can apply to the whole street. Now, you know, within that, there's a whole lot of nuances and a whole lot of difference and a whole lot of um, information. But if we um, took that classification, which is a far more detailed classification, um, from those city centres across the whole of Australia and you think, you know, a regional um, council or regional um, area, um, you would be creating a significant amount of work that was unnecessary to classify those places. Now, that's not saying a regional town may not decide to classify their place in more detail, but it's creating that baseline of what is necessary to, to designate movement and place outcomes. You've then got the third street, which is the, the iterative improvements. So understanding a place, so it may have a classification around a nighttime economy, a place of culture, and each street or retail. And these classifications um, then, you know, can, can agree at a strategic level, at a local level, and they say these are this is, um, you know, it could be a P1N or something. I'm just you know, um, where it has a place value, high place value and a nighttime economy. And this is decided by local stakeholders. Um, you know, they decide that that's what they want or that's, you know, that's their aspiration for the area. Um, do you want to go to the next uh, slide, please? So um, as an example um, of how, how this works, um, so the step one, which is um, you establish your, your your governance. So, and then in that governance, um, you map land use to place. And so we've come up with our um, our, uh, our hypothetical town, which is called Streetsville, um, the aptly name. And, and Streetsville has a, a centre area which we, we which we're looking at, and um, we're 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 under, we want to understand place. Now we're designating the centre area as a place. And the reason why we designated it as centre as a place is because it's got a uh, central visit central business zoning, a city centre zone or a regional centre zone or a CZ1 zone. Um, depending on most states, how you match them up may be a local, um, you know, maybe done locally in terms of your alignment, could be done strategically, um, Victoria's done it strategically and then you get a, a designation of place. Um, that can be rolled out relatively quickly. That can be rolled out in, in GIS across the whole country. Um, so you've got an understanding of place and a base understanding of where places should be uh, rather than are at the moment in terms of that aspiration around land use policy. Uh, next slide, please. So the next step from that is a refinement of the classification. Now, this is not saying that every area needs refinement, but in some areas, there is a process via consultation and local planning policy to go into more detail around classifying what a particular place is. And Streetsville, which has um, has a process and has a, um, we've decided that we're running a, a um, consultation session. And then what we find out, uh, or what we agree, that there's significant cultural interest on certain parts of the, the network. Uh, then at night, there's significant aspirations around uh, places of importance for the nighttime economy. This allows us to classify um, uh, Streetsville um, as being a, a P1, which is the original place with a, a CI or a um, NI um, categorisations in these specific area. Effectively, it allows the classification um, an option um, to classify it in a certain way. Next uh, slide. 
So this leads to the measurement of place and why I talked about classification driving measurement of place because when you look at our report and you see all the ways that you can measure place, it is nearly infinite. Um, and this is where it um, you know, can also get very resource intensive of counting things. Um, the, the principal places principal measured could be argued and could be argued uh, as uh, people, time, behaviours. Um, that is the use of place. Um, now, on face value, that seems relatively simple, but when you look at it in more detail, is that today, is that in the future, is that immediate area, is that coming through at time of days, it starts to get complex and you can you can iterate down based on that classification. Once you decide that you, um, you understand the people time behaviours is the core, you've then got more complex measures. And these are understanding things that are important either to a local policy or a strategic policy. But it's important to remember the purpose of place is how that place compares to an aspiration and input to valuation. And when we talk about the aspiration, you know, in it, from a transport perspective, it's really that tension between movement and place. Um, and and that, you know, that, that comes out in terms of that aspiration. Uh, so I just before I go to the next slide, this is the simplified version of the next slide, which is the complex version um, of how you measure place. And, and so I'll run to the next slide and, and be this is a forewarning of the complexity of the next slide. Take a train out to the next slide. Ah, so we do have animations. Uh, so I'll just just yeah, just um, generate it all out. Yep. So in terms of measurement of place, and this goes, you've got this core used time people, which is, at, at, you know, if you look across all measurement of place, this is where it's, it's you've then got the contributors. So these are the things, these are the features that you can contribute to a sense of place. So there's the, effectively things you can count, seats, views, trees, benches, space of crossings. You've then got the characteristics and traits that contribute to a set, certain sense of place. And this is, you know, a built form factors, imageability, legibility and scale, very much from the urban, uh, urban realm, you know, what, what, what contributes to a great place. Um, and you've got the effects. And these are, you know, what we call the externalities or non-sentimentals, which are the land value, economic spend, air quality, crashes, mode shares, um, and these are the these are the factors that uh, are the effects of a, a place and can be seen. If you, you know, if you have a, a depressed land value in a certain area, there's been some really interesting work done on, on the link between place and land value. Um, you know, that 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 can be measured, um, and then you've got the qualities and safety comfort, quality, enjoyment, um, and these, I talked about the proprietary measures really exploring this about how people perceive a space. And I think that's, you know, becoming increasingly um, understood, but also um, important. And I, you know, people say, well, how do you understand, you know, uh, whether someone likes a space? And, you know, um, and we, we talked about this and I said, well, you know, big brands understand, you know, Coca-Cola know if you like a lighter red shade than a darker red shade, you know, the, the, that, that perception is done, but, by so many people on a daily basis, and this is just about bringing this into another domain. Next slide. So back to Streetsville. Um, so if we look at the measurement of place, and we just I just gave you the most sort of the complex version. Um, so what do we measure? And if we look at this, we look at um, we've got really two things. We've got use and dwell in space. And what we can see is we because we decided our classification was around understanding 
um, the space at certain times of day uh, and also the cultural significance. Uh, what we looked at was use of dwell over certain times of day in certain locations and that gave us a picture of uh, this daytime economy and this nighttime economy. Um, in those areas and this, this gives us a sense of where place is important and how that's important uh, and the measurement of the place from that, that perspective and what you could see is if you were looking at a certain area and you know there wasn't there wasn't demand or there was um, you know it was over demand or you know there's some response or you could then address that through um, you know a, a shift in road space allocation. Ed. Next slide okay. please. Next slide. Okay, so as we'll covered, um, people visit places and spend time in these places. And we measure those by volume and time and what those people do at these places, whether for cultural reasons during the day or enjoying a meal at night, really reflect the functionality of the place as defined. Um, so uh, a place and behaviours can be driven by a, a range of factors, uh, some of which are very familiar with transport uh, professionals, such as noise, uh, information, uh, accessibility, safety and security. Uh, you know, at night when you go out, um, you know, if the streets don't feel safe, <laughs> then you probably don't want to um, go out that much. I, your volume might be low and your average dwell time might also be low. Um, Behaviors is a critical issue because it's not so much just the volume of people and the time they dwell there, but you know what do they do there affect fundamentally how they value their time in that space and indeed how they then value that place. Okay, next slide. Next slide, please. Yeah, and then that leads on to the valuation issue. So establishing what people do provides the basis for valuation. You know, it might be convenient uh, for transport professionals who are really used to dealing with the movement space to think about uh, it's a sort of value of time. Uh, however, in terms of place, this sort of value of time isn't so much of a cost to people, but imagining it as a, as a benefit. Uh, and people value their time in pleasant places uh, more than uh, in unpleasant ones. And what that unpleasantness means is underpinned by classification. Just a few examples. So a noisy street might not be so much of a problem, you know, for a street market com uh, compared to a, a place of remembrance. Uh, another example could be um, a, a place of cultural significance where people want to relax and admire the boulevard and enjoy the laneways. And here people might value information uh, more than uh, you know, a place where people just come and go transitory and everyone knows exactly where they're going. Uh, another example could be, uh, you know, in the same area as we have in Streetsville uh, at night, uh, restaurants and bars open and, you know, decent perceptions of safety and security becomes really valuable uh, along with a sense of vibrance. You know, what is noise, what is vibrance becomes an interesting question. And different people will value these things uh, differently. You know, some people like this, some people don't like it. Some people like it a lot. Some people like it a little bit. Um, but there are always averages, um, and that that's the same as in uh, in movement-based economics. You know, not every commuter on the train will value their time exactly the same. And it won't be that difficult to find these averages, identifying these behaviors and values. Uh, 
ask people where to start, do some research. As Will said earlier on, you know, Coca-Cola know whether we like this shade of red or that shade of red. Um, and movement-based economics, you know, has already got the tools to do that, um, such as stated preference surveys. Uh, where people are asked a series of questions and based on their answers, uh, analysts can tease out the, how much people value what, uh, where, and, and, and why. So that's done by both transport planning professionals as well as uh, in commercial operations. And gradually, bit by bit, you know, when we analyze people's uh, willingness to pay, to use a technical term, uh, I, how much people value certain things, um, you know, we can build up a library uh, and increase the evidence uh, on what people value and by how much. Again, just to reiterate, all these valuations can be done in a microscopic detail and we get utterly lost in that detail. Um, but classifying and measuring provide a sense of framework in which all these valuations start to make sense and be readily usable. Next page, please. Over to Will. So uh, to to finish up, um, well, not finish up, um, but to to move to questions. Um, the 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 formula. Um, now, you know, I talked about the consultations and, and the you know the, the the real I think challenge that people of implementing. Um, particularly uh, the place aspect of working in place. Um, you know, and we heard this at the, in the consultation sessions and one thing that, you know, um, or two things, I, I, multiple things, but two things I really took away was that across every professional that I met in the transport sphere, people wanted to incorporate place in their projects and and, uh, and that was, that was, um, that was an absolutely clear message. What, people wanted was help um, and guidance about how to do that. Um, but also, um, you know, people felt that, um, you know, the, and this is the regimented rule um, or the prescriptive nature on it had to be, um, had to be constructed in, in a way that was intelligent and, and also, you know, um, flexible, which is, there's an irony there. Um, and so this is the real, you know, if we cut down the report, um, what, and the report, um, is written in a way that it's enabling in certain sections as much as um, anything else um, as a research. And there are some recommendations. And, you know, around the classification of place, we are pretty clear about um, a way to classify, which is, you know, pretty straightforward. You can do it in most towns. Um, you know, you can do the first step in a matter of minutes um, uh, by, by, you know, cross-referencing cross your zones, um, putting some p-values to it or, or whatever um, acronyms you want to use and, and then you, you, you're you on your way. Uh, then the consultation process can be as much as you want it to be. Um, we obviously always recommend more consultation than less um, and that, that gets you off to a, a good start. Uh, and then the measurement, you know, that 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 then is is obviously we've, we've, it's an enabler part of the report. Um, there's a lot of um, sort of um, information there, but there's also some clear ability. And you know, there's the, the proprietary measures are obviously um, pretty sophisticated these days. But there's some really innovative stuff um, coming out, um, particularly you know um, people you know 
civic centres, so talk to other colleagues about what they've done there. And the final one is, you know, it, it flows through that once you've got the classification, uh, your measurement, and, and there's a value ring, the change associated with that, and, and, and there's some enabling points in that. And obviously, there's quite a fair bit of movement um, from different jurisdictions, again, um, about how you would value the place aspect of the movement in place. So um, at that point, um, we'll, I'll, I'll say thank you. Uh, thank you um, to, to Ed for his input. Thank you to Tom. Um, uh, who's key writer and um, of the report, uh, and also thank you to everyone that participated uh, along the along the year. It was it was it was a journey, and we had lots of really constructive input. So um, we'll move across to questions now. Thanks so much, Will and Ed, and uh, thanks so much to everyone for your patience. Uh, we will go a little over to make up for the time that we lost when we were figuring out our uh, technical problems. Um, so I will uh, take us to slide 13. Um, and one of our participants is asking if you could uh, explain in a little more detail this graph shown on this slide. Which graph? Sorry. Um, I think that's the graph on the left with the metrics, street types. Yeah, so this, this graph, um, so this graph is uh, a movement and place um, article, a description of movement of movement of place and this talks about different street types. This is particular for London, obviously they have a very different um, street type than we have in Australia, they tend to have far more mixed use, um, sort of messy streets, I'd call it. Um, on one um, axis, you have the movement and they talk about a local significance versus strategic significance of movement. Um, so, you know, you've got your, and you'll see 40 mile per hour, well, it's 100. Um, you know, it's probably a two, three lane, um, you know, and they, they carry a lot more people and, and that has a, a different characteristics to a street where you've got a place which is, you know, your Oxford Street in the centre of town, you know, very strategic, very pedestrians, uh, you know, and then you've got this sort of middle ground, which is, you know, mixed modes, they've called it, it's kind of messy, you know, you've got a whole lot of different functions happening within that street um, where, you know, and, and London has a lot of them and, and this is why, you know, the, the, the movement of place, you know, really came forward because, you know, the, the, the impact of even place on movement or movement on place is real. And so they, you know, they've invested a lot of time and effort into not only characterising place, but also working out ways of um, balancing the two. Thanks so much, Will. Um, if that didn't answer uh, the question, please let us know in the uh, in the comments and we will get back to it after the webinar. Um, right, so next question, uh, slide 15, you talked about economic and uh, monetary evaluations and I hope that question uh, relates to this slide. So have you found that investment decision makers place more importance on some particular measures of uh, value of place more than others? For example, financial metrics or measures of social support such as public polls? Sorry, I, I, I didn't get, get that. Particular, uh, particular types of investment? So have, have you, have this project found that investment decision makers place more importance on um, sort of some particular measures rather than the others? Well, I mean, I, it's uh, well, hopefully I'm interpreting the question right, but there will be um, some elements of place that are more valued than other elements. Mm -hmm. 
place, and these come through um, different valuations. And, and whether you know it's arguably you know number of uh, people affected by noise and air pollution, you know, they have unit values, but they have different measurements, they have different units. Um, so yeah, I mean, there they, they will be differences in, in how different attributes are valued. Um, you know, it's not necessarily one thing is the same as another, you know, we're not checking up doing a checklist, <laughs> um, but but they, they reflect on, on how things are, are, are valued. I'm not sure whether that answered a question. You know, for example, you have unit value for, for, for bus stop information or unit value for perceived security. You know, it's not like for like in terms of one unit equals one unit. Does that does that make sense? I mean, I... Thanks, Ed. Oh, please let us know if it makes sense. If it doesn't, we will get back to it after the webinar. Um, yeah. I'll take us to the next slide. I think it is slide 17. So you talked about the course here and uh, one of our participants would like to learn a bit more about these actions and behaviors of people. So what those actions are and how they contribute to place value um, of, of a street. For example, large proportions uh, of people moving frantically, not engaging, being present as they rush uh, moving along the street, or you know, comparing to people wondering and engaging with the place. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think actually that question when you're talking about transitory or, or, or dwell um, actually can relate almost back to the first question. Um, we talked about the movement and and, and people-centric. Um, so different places will have different functions. Again, I think it's based on, you know, what we classify or aspire a certain place to be. You know, some places are highly transitory and some places really require the dwell time for it to really work. Uh, and is there a, a balance between the two? I mean, some of the railway station could be arguably, uh, you know, pleasant places in their own rights. Um, you know, uh, before coming here, um, I was uh, working in London and, you know, a lot of railway stations were being redeveloped. The most famous one is probably St Pancras, where, you know, the, rather than just a transitory from pedestrian charging to the platform, you know, there were more amenities, you know, whether it's pianos uh, or, uh, you know, free to play, pianos or restaurants and bars, you know, it creates a place, you know, that combines both the transitory as well as the dwell. Um, yeah, does that, does that? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we have another question, which is really interesting. So are movement and place diametrically opposed? Do gains <laughs> in one come at the expense of losses for the other? Yeah, uh, it's a good question, but uh, the, I think the answer is no. Um, uh, well, the answer is no. They're not. They're not diametrically opposed. Um, the the so movement is characterised by um, well, movement is often characterised by traffic, um, but movement comes in very different formats. And so, and and to sort of address some of the earlier questions as well, when when and one of the complexity of this is. This is a Venn diagram where a lot of these, um, so you know, the role of artists and artists creating creative placemaking um, has information about dwell and um, sort of engagement in the street, which is very similar to transport, which is very similar to um, every other metric, and there there is commonalities across it. Um, the the movement and place, and and you know, actually they bring a lot to each other. 
you know, you don't you don't get to these places without movement. They they you know, and I go back to the the, the Montmartre example. You know, the 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 sort of the 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 the, the, the tension which comes from the street environment, which people people enjoy, people like, uh, and I think um, the the challenge, and, and this is um, for transport professionals, is uh, is that we have, uh, and I say we, because you know, I come from the transport rather than the place perspective, is we have a number of guidelines and, and standards um, that. Uh, if applied without consideration or wider consideration to what the intention of those guidelines were, can be diametrically opposed to place, and and that is the challenge. And uh, and this is why you know intentionally throughout the report, and I think you know fair dues to Ausroads is part of this is bringing uh, place professionals and transport professionals together to to you know to to negotiate. Um, a more balanced outcome from this, and and so you know they're not diametrically opposed. And in New South Wales, um, you know, and uh, have done some really great work in this space. Um, and you know they came up with the importance of conversation, and we heard that continually. You know, it's importance of conversation throughout the process, which is so essential to making these things not diametrically opposed, which is um, you know absolutely core to what we've uh, recommended in this research. Thanks, Will. Uh, and we have another great question uh, that relates to slide. Oops, wrong one. Uh, this one where you were talking about things to pursue and avoid. And the question is, does traffic modeling come in the avoid section? Is it valuable from a place perspective? No, not at all. Um, no, traffic modeling, um, traffic modeling um, does not come in the avoid traffic model um, gives you a sophistication to the movement um, uh, side of the equation, which is great. Um, we what we what we are seeing and what we are seeing uh, more increasingly is that uh, a, that level of sophistication is coming to the place um, side of things. Um, you know, there's some work by say space syntax for the city of Melbourne. There's some stuff in New South Wales. Is understanding that demand uh, from a place perspective, and 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 understanding that future demand uh, from a place perspective, and that's why the land use is so important. And I think you know when you have those both, then you can actually understand your network in more detail and, and think about those trade trade-offs. Now, when you come to the story and say the traffic model is an answer, you know this is this is the end, and we're not talking about this anymore. Now that that's where that's where traffic models, um, are, you know, they're poorly used and, and they shouldn't be used in that way. They're a guide to help decision making. That's what, you know, that's why they invented. Um, and so I absolutely support traffic modelling, um, but I also say that it, you know, should be used as a guide to decision making. And I actually think that the investment in traffic modelling should be equaled, uh, you know, thereabouts with the investment in place where the, if the place is more important, you know, so you sort of got to, you've got to get the balance in terms of the, um, the investment in appraisal and uh, planning right. Thank you. Yeah, and I think that really relate back also to um, the previous question, you know, about a diametrically opposed or not. You know, it's about that having that fullness of conversation using mm -hmm. that model so that we end up with positive movement and a positive place and get that optimality done. Uh, speaking of uh, conversation and dialogue, so I'm just going to take us to slide 24 where you talked about classification. So the question is what happens when the actors uh, don't agree on the classifications? So what advice <laughs> do you see? Yeah. 
Ah, uh, you, you, oh, who decides who makes these? It's, well, it's, it's like people don't agree, um, and look, the, the, you know, there's there's a lot of people doing some really good stuff in terms of consultation, in terms of thinking about problems. Um, my um, having having run quite a few workshops in terms of movement in place and in terms of designating place and thinking about place, um, I haven't sort of you know haven't found that as a as a huge um, thing that comes out. Um, uh, yeah, I, f I find more you know to the question about transport modelling, it's more on the operational detail where people sort of go revert back to what you know rather than thinking about a new framework uh, in terms of the consultation I think people are passionate generally people are passionate about their places and and also passionate about the movement and so um, I haven't yeah I haven't found that a massive issue but if if, it, if you've got a particular stakeholder um, yeah it's it can take time and, and effort to align them Thank you, uh, Will. Um, another question uh, that doesn't relate to any particular slide, but um, so in one of the slides you referred to place being important in commercial centres. Um, a local suburban park is another obvious example, but what about an arterial road, uh, an, an, an arterial road upgrade, um, for example, duplication? How does place apply um, on an arterial uh, road and how is it uh, valued? Uh, so well, it goes to the classification. So if it's a if it's if the land use of the arterial road is a, 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 a road zone and it's abutting um, I don't know um, a load, uh, say I don't know um, an industrial zone, uh, then you know then places you know then then you treat it with accordance to that um, and place is not going to be a function on that road. Um, it all goes back to that that classification and, and the nuance there. Well, and, and, yeah. and that is... Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I was to say, um, you know, if you've got a big, massive arterial road to be upgraded next to a very important park, one of these things might not have been thought through uh, and that needs resolution, you know. Yeah, and the, the uh, just in terms of just referencing back to the report, uh, the the Canberra light rail is a pretty good project example where they've incorporated place thinking in the project, and um, it, you know, and they they um, yeah, so that's worth having a look about how they did it because they um, they incorporated some specific, uh, very Canberra um, sort of national iconic place considerations within their um, within their work, and so. Um, yeah, that may that may help in that um, uh, you know that question. Thanks, thanks, Will. Well, speaking of other examples, so how is this project similar to or different from uh, Waka Katahi's um, one network framework? Uh, it's it's very so the one network. It's very it's it's a component of the one. It's not a you know it's not a direct component, but uh, place sits you know, um, is a part of the one network, so they, they acknowledge place. Um, this is a part of that. Um, obviously, they've probably, we talked to them um, during the engagement of, of this in, in 2019, they've obviously probably come along a, a little bit in terms of where they're at, um, but, the, you know, it's there's still alignment in terms of um, what we're recommending around understanding place. And they, they their classification, which is based on the one road network, um, it may, 
dictate certain measurements of certain values uh, and then that cut flows out through um, their case studies and we've uh, included one in here as well, um, evaluation from New Zealand um, as well. Thanks Will. Um, uh, in terms of engagement, uh, did you have a chance to consult with uh, Transport for New South Wales, um, RMS in New South Wales? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I think we had, uh, if I remember, so, you know, I think New South Wales might have been uh, a, maybe our biggest in-person attendance, so maybe 35 people from um, Transport New South Wales um, and a mix of disciplines. Um, and uh, we, they probably also had, a, they had the most, or they had a lot of input from a um, working group and a, and a, and a um, uh, working group perspective. Thanks so much. Um, well, our next question, how would a uh, movement in place framework uh, apply to public transit interchange station as opposed to streets? Uh, sorry, my, my, I can, I can, it has been, has, has been applied and it's been applied in a number of, um, so, and so automatically when you think of movement in place, you think of traffic, um, in, in movement in place, you, you, movement is considered in a wider perspective so um, if you've got a, a busy station which is has a movement function and you know I'll let's go to New York um, you know uh, Central Station you know has a fantastic place function and the place function there is you know linked to the movement but it's a little bit separate and I think you know it's understanding um, you know wh where your movement only stations are versus where your movement and place and you know um, you know, central station in Sydney, you know, the, those big ones where there is a place function, but then you also got ones in, um, you know, that, that are outside town um, that, that don't have a place function, that have a purely uh, movement function. So absolutely, um, I also know examples of movement in place being applied at a country level. Um, so understanding of strategic level, uh, where those, those strategic movement in place um, um, aspects are. Uh, and, and you know, looking at a network of places is really something you know we've been looking at recently, and and how they interact um, on a more sub-regional basis. Thanks. Well, we we have another great question uh, in relation to safety. So, from your consultation, uh, consultations, what are your uh, perceptions of how road safety is commonly regarded? Uh, is there an expectation that outcomes are strategically managed, or is it assumed that outcomes will be better if the placemaking succeeds in any case? It's a very good question, um, and. It I suppose it doesn't need to be applied to, um, could be applied to sort of any wider outcome, like a broader outcome, not, um, sorry, that's um, safety, walking and cycling, mode share, um, uh, what else, um, any sort of other transport outcome. And I think that's that becomes one of the challenge of, uh, especially for the valuation component, is when you start to um, overlay and integrate benefits, um, which can be great for a scheme because there are potentially place benefits. Um, but we did, yeah, we, and you'll see in the report that especially the transport practitioners, um, there's a, you know, if you had to draw a Venn diagram to, um, you know, uh, sort of wider, wider thinking around transport, around safety, around walking cycle, around mode share, um, around health, um, it, it comes out much strong in a transport practitioners since um, and, and so that's you know this this work um, 
aims to aims to bring in the place element, um, and obviously you know the road safety element um, comes in there as well. If 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 that's and it should be contemplated as a part of any upgrades um, in the scheme. Thanks so much, Will. Uh, well, guys, it is six past two, so I think uh, we're, we're mindful of everyone's time, so we probably will finish the Q&A here. Uh, thanks, uh, Will, and thanks, Ed, and thanks to everyone for uh, your great questions. And we have a few that we didn't have time to answer, so we'll get back to you with the response, written response um, after the webinar. Uh, so I'll just quickly take us uh, through the next webinars that we have uh, on our schedule. Um, we have been working with, um, I'm just gonna turn on my camera so you can see me as well. Yep, so we've been working with our member agencies to develop uh, the national training framework and pre-qualification scheme for temporary traffic management. Those draft documents are now released for industry comments and on the 17th and 18th of August, we will hold two webinars to provide an overview of the drafts and answer any questions practitioners uh, have about the framework and the scheme. So please join us or pass the invitation on to your colleagues who you think might benefit from this information. And on the 20th of August, we will talk about a new framework and tools uh, proposed by Ostroads to help heavy vehicle operators and road asset owners make clear and uh, consistent road freight access decisions. So please visit our website to register. Uh, and thanks again um, to everyone. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Thanks again for your patience. Uh, we hope that the information uh, is useful for your work. Um, after we close out today's session, a questionnaire will pop up on your screen. So please take a few minutes to fill it in. Uh, let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. Uh, what suggestions you have for our future webinar program. Um, and again, thanks again. Uh, we uh, hope you stay well and safe. Uh, enjoy the rest of your day, and we hope to see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye.